Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, it's been an interesting week, of course, for bond yields. Uh, A week ago, regular listeners uh, will recall we published our global market outlook, which we entitled The Big Bonds Debate. Um, And since then, over just a few days, uh, we've, of course, had a key set of central bank meetings and a sharp drop lower uh, in the U.S. 10-year bond yield. Um, So, of course, as far as financial markets go, that is one key cornerstone variable. Um, So to discuss what that means and uh, what implications that has for other major asset classes, uh, today we're joined on the podcast by Rajat Bhattacharya, uh, who runs macro strategy at the CIO office and is a familiar voice, of course, to regular listeners. So to jump right in, um, welcome, Rajat. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Now, as I said in the introduction, we've had a couple of um, key central bank meetings this week. Um, The Fed message seemed to almost mellow somewhat, while the Bank of Japan seemed to delay or at least soften um, its policy of pulling back from uh, yield curve control. Uh, So starting with the Fed first, can you help uh, walk our listeners through some of the key takeaways? Sure, Manpreet. So, uh, as you say, let's start with the Fed. So, as expected, the U.S. Central Bank held rates for the second straight meeting at a 22-year high of around 5.5%. Now, Chair Powell's tone, as you said, at the post-meeting press conference was unmistakably mellower than before. Now, Powell uh, stressed that the risks around the Fed doing too much or too little to fight inflation were more balanced now. Indeed, uh, if you see the data, U.S. core PC inflation, uh, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, is likely to fall below the Fed's own 3.7% year-on-year estimate for the fourth quarter. It's worth remembering, remembering that the Fed's uh, me- this measure of inflation has already slowed to 3.7% in September with base effects likely to drag it lower in the fourth quarter. Now, Powell's comments, which followed a similarly milder tone from ECB President Lagarde last week, and the Bank of England's Governor Bailey this week, after the UK Central Bank also held rates for the second straight meeting, suggest the world's major central banks are done with hiking rates in this cycle. Markets have also pared back expectations of another rate hike by the Fed and the Bank of England, and have started to actually price in rate cuts by the ECB from April. Okay, thanks, Rajat. Uh, But what about the Bank of Japan? What do you make of that meeting, considering they seem to be going arguably a little bit in the opposite direction? Yes, uh, sure. The Bank of Japan, uh, as markets were expecting it to be, hawkish right so it's uh, as you say it's in the opposite end of the spectrum from the versus the fed or the ecb but there too the bank of japan also appeared less hawkish than what the markets were expecting it left its short-term policy rate unchanged at minus 0.1 percent so they are still negative there while redefining their one percent target on the 10-year japanese government bond yield as an upper-bound reference rate instead of a rigid cap. Now, this was a disappointment relative to market expectations where where the investors were expecting greater policy flexibility. The net result was that the dollar-yen pair jumped 
1.5% after the meeting. Now, this yen move led Japan's chief currency official and other authorities to say that they were on standby to intervene in the FX markets if needed. Moreover, the Bank of Japan's revised its price top uh, forecast for inflation uh, to exceed 2% in 2023 and 2024. In our view, this suggests a phase out of the Bank of Japan's super loose policy uh, going forward. So it's, it's going to be a gradual step, but the direction is pretty clear. This, we believe, will act as a tailwind for the yen, just as the broad dollar appears to be peaking. As a result, the upside for the dollar-yen pair looks to be limited to near-term resistance of around 152. We expect the pair to retreat to its 100-day moving average of around 145.7 in the near term. All right. Um, I think interesting investor implication there, but let's dig a little bit deeper into the investment implications of you know some of the central bank messages that you just described. So the key question that really arises is how should investors position when it comes to bonds? Um, I mean, last week, I recall on this podcast, we'd flagged that a reversal in bond yields was likely. And indeed, it looks like we got that reversal. Uh, do you think it's too late for investors to, to still buy bonds at, at these yields? Yes, uh, it's, it's two uh, weeks ago, actually, uh, when we first flagged that US government bond yields and the dollar were likely at a turning point with our diversity indicators. By that, we mean the uh, diversity of investors uh, positioning uh, was showing a high risk of a reversal. This week, the 10-year bond yield pulled back sharply from the, its 16-year high of about 5% breaking below the key 4.8% technical support level, while the dollar, as we mentioned, also retreated. The main drivers there were first, a less hawkish policy outlook from the Fed, as we mentioned, weaker U.S. manufacturing sector data, and easing concerns about the U.S. Treasury's more moderate bond issuance plan for Q4. We'll come to that a bit later, but this week's sharp pullback in the 10-year bond deal and Powell's uh, less hawkish comments combined with uh, ECB President Lagarde's less hawkish comments uh, a week ago solidify our belief that we are near the cyclical peak in bond deals. Historically, peak policy rates have signaled a cyclical top in bond deals. All of this means that a three-month target of the 10-year U.S. government bond yield remains unchanged at around 5, uh, sorry, 4.25 to 4.5%, 4 which is around 30 to 40 basis points lower than where we are today. We would continue to use the opportunity to add exposure to U.S. and European government bonds, especially with, since we see over a 6 to 12-month period, we see those yields falling even further. Okay, I think that's a that's a clear sort of message when it comes to bond investors. But listening to everything we just discussed, uh, the obvious question in the mind of equity investors is: if bond deals indeed are turning, does that make a year-end equity rally more likely? Yes, the, uh, we see uh, fair chances for U.S. equities to continue uh, their rebound over the last two months of this year. First, we know that you know seasonality uh, is is a, a big factor 
the historically and these two months of the year are seasonally strong and then we see the corporate earnings uh, the third quarter us uh, corporate earnings have been strong all sectors except for energy reported positive earnings surprises and the expected earnings growth for third quarter has been revised up uh, through this earnings season to around 5% growth of versus 1.6% just a month ago now in october economic and policy uncertainties had pushed the s&p 500 and the nasdaq indices into correction territory if you recall uh, by that we mean the, the those both those indexes pulled back almost 10% from the peaks in mid july however over the past 10 years if you if you see what what happened such instances of have coincided with invariably coincided with light investor positioning as is the case today historically this has provided a good base for market rebounds at least for the short term for a more sustainable rally however upward momentum on long term bond yields must abate encouragingly as we mentioned the us 10 year government bond yield has softened significantly this week uh, and then uh, we have the equity markets have witnessed some stock buying from fast money discretionary funds and there could be follow through if the 10 year bond yields were to stay below the critical resistance of 4.8% this would lend a tailwind to growth sectors of the us uh, uh, stock market especially technology and communication services all right thanks rajat um, i think that's all we have time for uh, so we'll bring the the conversation to an end at that point uh, thanks rajat of course for for your time today um as usual if i can maybe just recap the top 3 takeaways uh, from a market perspective first of course is um i heard that of course it's still not too late to buy bonds uh, even though yields have pulled back a little bit from their recent peaks second of course if anything those those cap bond deals uh, improve the prospects for an equity market rally uh, though of course as in the us it will be te- technology and communication services uh, which might benefit the most uh, if if the rally is driven by lower bond deals and third given what we got from the bank of japan uh, the dollar yen upside is likely capped uh, so in the short term at least to move back towards the 100 day moving average just above 145 is likely on dollar yen So thank you Rajat once again for 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 joining us today and thank you listeners uh, for taking time to listen to us um we hope wish you a great weekend ahead and we look forward to speaking with you again next week Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank For more details visit market views on the go on our website or click the link in the description